three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anyone Can Run podcast, the podcast for those brand new to running who want to make sure they begin their journey on the road to Gainesville on the right foot. I am your host, True Bros, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. the two-time defiler of Sands. It's a video game thing. Go look up Undertale. And I am an NCCA certified personal trainer who specializes in playing games, making gains, and helping clients reach their health and fitness goals. This is the podcast where we cover nutrition, training, running gear, everything you need to know about what it takes to complete your first race, whether it's a 5K, full marathon, or anything in between. Today, we're going to cover one of my favorite subjects, and admittedly, one of the only things I still struggle with when it comes to my health and fitness and personal journey on the road to Gainesville, food. We're going to cover how to eat while training for a race, how to read a nutritional label so you can make healthier decisions when eating out or shopping, and how to eat during a race. Food is an integral part of any runner's training arsenal, and while there aren't a whole lot of things that can go wrong when you're out pounding the pavement, barring injury of course, it's pretty dang easy to screw up when it comes to food both during your training and on race day. While I'm no nutritionist, I am an experienced runner and personal trainer who is going to break down the basics for those of you newbie runners who need a handy dandy guide when it comes to eating while you're out living your marathon bound lifestyle. First things first, food is fuel for your runs. You aren't going to log any miles without it. When I ran my first race, I was eating anything and everything. So even though I was working out like wild, I was putting on weight because the crazy amounts of sugar I was ingesting wasn't doing me any favors. We'll get into the mental approach to food in a bit, but the first thing I need to hammer home is food is not the enemy. I've had plenty of clients who came to me excited. They wanted to tackle their first race and they say, let's work out ASAP. And I'm all about that life. So I say, okay, let's meet at 6 a.m. the next day. And when we do, we want to kick the day off right. And after five minutes, they're barely able to move. All because they're assuming their goals to lose weight and increase strength means they shouldn't be eating at night or prior to our training sessions. Luckily, I typically have protein bars or something in my gym bag when I'm training clients. So I have them scarf something down. We roll out for a few minutes to get loose. And then we're able to finally get to work. Food is not the enemy. It is your ally when you're living a healthy and fit lifestyle, and especially when you're training to tackle your first race. But it's real easy to derail your work in the gym with what you put in your body. Let's talk about how we should be eating throughout the duration of our training. And since everyone here is a brand new runner who is going to be a runner for life, there's no harm in thinking, well, this is just how we eat now. Quick tangent, the best time to make a fundamental life change with all aspects of your life Carving time out of your day to work out, making healthier and smarter decisions related to what we put into our body, all that, is when you're training for a marathon, in my opinion, because it's such a monumental achievement. May as well use this bucket list event to improve as many aspects of your life as possible, since living healthy and fit is a lifestyle, not a gimmick. One thing I want to emphasize when you're talking about making a fundamental life change, which changing your eating habits absolutely is, everyone learns and responds in different ways. Some people love diving deep into numbers and want to log every single thing they eat. Some people just want a list of foods to eat they can stick to and not deviate from. Some people want to get creative in the kitchen. Some people just want a list of foods to avoid. Everyone responds to different stimuli, and this is a great time for you to figure out what works for you. If you want to use a free app like MyFitnessPal, scan everything you eat, monitor your macronutrients, and adhere to a specific caloric goal, more power to you. If you just want some bullet points, I completely understand. 
We'll take a couple minutes and dive into each of these different methods at length, but first, I want to talk about the way we think about food, which I know we've discussed a bit. Like I said earlier, I've noticed a bit of a stigma when it comes to food. People talk about things they shouldn't eat, things they should just have a taste of, all that type of junk. When you're committing to training for a marathon or just living a healthy and fit lifestyle, you've got to be upfront with yourself. Being open about your shortcomings isn't the easiest thing in the world to do for anyone, but the first step to rectifying a problem is realizing there is one. Many people have problems with food, myself included. Maybe you view it as a means of escape from dealing with your problems, which I'll admit I kind of do. Maybe you view it as a social thing, like going out on a date night or meeting up with friends to catch up. Maybe you really do not have 10 minutes in the day to whip up something healthy at your home due to job or family commitments. Whatever the crux of the issue is, don't be afraid to identify it and face it head on. I'm no therapist, and I'm not trying to preach to you or anything, but I want you to remember, no one else is going to run a single step of those 26.2 miles for you, just like no one else is going to help you lose an ounce of weight if that's why you decided to pick up running. This is something you've got to do completely on your own, but that doesn't mean you're the only person in the world who's going through this. I know I'm getting kind of philosophical on you, and I swear we're going to jump into the specifics of how to eat during marathon training and on race day in a minute, but we're talking about making a life-altering change here, and I don't want to trivialize that. I remember running my first race in January 2016. I was lean and mean and weighed around 155. Fast forward to my absolutely crushing my most recent half marathon this past March, I was tipping the sales at 185. Sure, I'm stronger and faster than I've ever been, but I don't like the way my favorite clothes fit, joints of mine that have never bothered me are beginning to, and it doesn't take a doctor or genius to deduce it's due to the added weight. Plus, I'm not really liking the way I look. This means something has got to change, and I'll admit, food is still the one portion of living a healthy and fit lifestyle I struggle with. I'll be the first person to tell you, I love me some fast food and vodka, especially together. Ain't nothing quite like a sonic drive-in cherry limeade with a hearty splash of vodka and three or four cheesy gordita crunches from Taco Bell on the side. And while I could have that combo at 2am in my early 20s and then wake up at 6am and go hard in the gym, now if I have that, I'll be out of commission for half the next day and the weight just seems to come from out of nowhere now. Not to mention the litany of potential health issues that could be on the horizon if I'm not careful. What I'm trying to say is, I can tell you all day, you can run a marathon if you stick to what I'm laying out here, and I absolutely believe that's true. But I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But just because something isn't easy doesn't mean it's not worth it. We're on the road to Gainesville, and the last thing we want to deter us from reaching our goals is what we're putting into our bodies. I know changing what you're eating is hard, because it always has been and still is for me, but let's talk about how we eat when we're full throttle into our marathon training plan. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am not a registered dietitian or nutritionist, and as a result, I have never told a client what to eat. That's not my place. There are food allergies, medical conditions to think of, all that. However, I do tell every single one of my clients and fellow runners when to eat, and that's every three hours. The reasons for this are numerous. You're eating more frequently, so the meals are smaller, so you'll never be starving and binge. This keeps your metabolism and blood sugar smooth and keeps it from spiking when you gorge on junk. If you're worried about not getting enough of a specific macro, more on that in a second, you can plan one of your six or so meals around it. We're going to be eating frequently and the meals are going to be smaller. And this is exactly how I believe healthy and fit people should mentally approach food. 
Fit people don't snack or nibble or graze. We eat meals, and as a result, we need to plan what's in each of those meals accordingly. We're eating smaller meals every three hours, and they don't need to be three hours apart right on the dot, but get accustomed to eating more frequently and smaller, healthier meals. Now let's talk about what we're actually eating. To keep things super simple, there are three macronutrients, fat, protein, and carbohydrate, aka carbs. For the purposes of our marathon training, we're going to focus on protein and carbohydrate because protein helps you build muscle and recover, while carbs are the body's preferred source of energy. So both of these are going to fuel your runs and help you recover in between. If you're looking for a general outline of how much protein and carbs to consume each day, the truthful answer is it depends on the individual. But there's no way I'm going to take a cop out and not answer the question. I've read varying amounts of information over the years, from textbooks, research articles, popular fitness magazines, everything. But the general guideline is this. Most endurance runners need between 0.6 and 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight, and somewhere between 3 to 5 grams of carbohydrate per pound of body weight. If you have a smaller frame, use the lower end of this, and if you're larger, use the higher end. I know that sounds like a lot of complicated math, but let's break it down using myself as an example. I weigh just around 180 pounds at the moment, which I ain't too happy about, but that's beyond the scope of our example. Roughly, I'd need about 720 grams of carbs, that's just 4 times 180, and approximately 126 grams of protein daily throughout the course of training. I don't want to do too much math and have your eyes gloss over while you're running or driving or whatever you're doing while you're listening to this, but if you're the kind of person who wants to use a calorie or food tracking app, this is a good jumping off point to finding out what your personal nutritional needs are. Roughly, carbs should be about 50% of your calories when you're training because you don't want to hit the dreaded wall where you're out of energy I talked about during our inaugural episode. If you're counting calories, break it down using these rough percentages and adjust as you get a few weeks into your training to be sure you're comfortable. If you aren't getting enough carbs, you'll absolutely know. If you feel completely sapped of energy despite being rested and mentally strong, that's the mythical wall I'm referring to. If you're not counting calories and just want to know what foods to avoid and opt for, come on, this is pretty straightforward stuff. Avoid anything real heavy. Burgers, pizza, anything and everything that's fried, you know, the usual stuff most people would refer to as unhealthy. Make sure you're eating fresh fruits and vegetables, lean meats, whole grains, nuts and seeds, dairy, fish, and see how your body responds. This episode is specifically about training for marathons, but a good rule of thumb when it comes to seeing how your body reacts to food is the elimination diet. And really, this is the only quote-unquote diet I consider myself a fan of. To give a quick primer, the elimination diet is used primarily to identify food intolerances and sensitivities, so it's a great method to figure out what makes you feel great and what makes you feel lethargic. During one training session, I eliminated dairy from my diet for two weeks and then slowly added it back in. I found out milk and cheese, despite being absolutely delicious, make me feel bloated and as a result, adversely impact my runs, so now I'm pretty much dairy-free. If you suspect red meat, quinoa, beans, whatever it may be, is making you feel heavy or is just impacting you negatively in some way, feel free to give the elimination diet a try during your marathon race training. Again, running is a lifestyle, and we're all trying to be healthy and fit people, so may as well begin making those fundamental life changes while training for a race of epic proportions. 
Now, let's say you just want one hard and fast guideline. Let's say you come to me and say, Gabe, I'll eat healthy and all that. Just give me one guideline I can follow and I'll check nutritional labels and take care of the rest. One guideline I live by when actively training for a race is I ensure everything I prepare or purchase at the grocery store has no more than three grams of sugar per serving, with only two exceptions, creamer from my coffee and fruit. This will eliminate sugary foods from your repertoire, and if you're like me and carting around a few extra pounds, you'll be surprised how quickly they disappear when you're not eating junk or anything that's full of sugar. It's absolutely worth the time and effort to meal prep healthy meals, which will benefit your training and long-term health. And if you're interested, I've got a handful of recipes over at TrueBros.com you can check out. I'm not a big fan of cooking, or really being in the kitchen at all, but I typically dedicate an hour and a half each week. That's it, 90 minutes a week to prepare a couple proteins, a complex carb, and then boom, I've got healthy meals at my disposal. I've heard a ton of people say they don't have time to cook, but Come on, if you've ever worked in customer service, you know most people are full of it. You're spending time scrolling social media, playing games, watching television. If you can carve out the time of your day to unwind or relax or whatever, you can carve out some time every few days to prepare some nutritious and delicious meals. The same way you're making training an essential part of your day, like picking the kids up from school, showering, or going to work, you've got to make the time to have a healthy meal to ensure you aren't wrecking the effort you're putting in pounding the pavement. That being said, I've trained with those in the medical field and military who absolutely do not have time to cook, and truth be told, barely have time to eat. So let's say you're gung-ho and running before the sun comes up, but you don't have 10 minutes in the day to warm up some relatively healthy frozen meals. So your only option is to pick up some fast food. Let's talk about reading nutritional labels for a few minutes so you can ensure you've always something healthy at home or at the very least, when you peek at a fast food menu, you know what to look for so you can opt for the best option. Everyone has seen a nutritional label. Total calories, protein, carbs, sugar, sodium, the usual. When you're picking up frozen meals or you're looking at a fast food menu, you're going to notice one trend. Sodium tends to be sky high and sugar tends to not be too far behind. Depending upon the restaurant, you may also be getting crazy amounts of saturated and or trans fats as well. Like I mentioned earlier in this episode, I love Taco Bell. While I'm a big fan of alcohol and a bunch of other stuff that's not too good for you, there are a surprisingly high number of fairly healthy options at my beloved House of Bell, as well as other well-known fast food chains. But you've got to know how to read the menu, and to keep things simple, let's break down a few things. Bear in mind, this isn't a nutritional podcast. I'm just trying to provide a jumping off point for you to get started if you want to do more research. I'm also trying to give you a thing or two to remember the next time you're looking at a Chick-fil-A menu online and you're trying to pick something more healthy than what you typically order. So let's say you've got a nutritional label in front of you or you're just picturing one in your head. Overall calories. Obviously, we want this to be low. The actual number of calories you need per day depends upon your specific body type and needs, but 2,000 calories is the standard used on all menus and nutritional labels. A good guideline when reading a menu and checking out overall calories is the lower the better. Now, there are things like artificial sweeteners and junk, which can arbitrarily keep this number low when you're at a grocery store, but since we're talking about reading a menu, let's just go with typically the lower the calories, the better. When it comes to fats, again, a decent baseline is the lower the number, the better. A lot of prepared meals come packed with saturated and trans fats, and we, as healthy and fit people, are not fans of either one of those. 
You can find a lot of options with less than 30 grams of total fat and only a few grams of saturated and no trans fat at most places. So for our guideline when it comes to fat content while reading menus at fast food joints, the lower the better. Same thing with sodium and sugar. The less, the better. For protein, obviously we're on the road to Gainesville and we're training all the time, so we want more. Most fast food menus are going to be high with sodium, and if you're getting something grilled, the sugar shouldn't be too bad. But typically, you can find something that's significantly lower in sodium and sugar than their counterparts. Case in point, my beloved Cheesy Gordita Crunch from Taco Bell. Let's go down its nutritional label. 500 calories, 28 grams of fat, 10 grams unsaturated fat, 850 milligrams of sodium, 4 grams of sugar, 20 grams of protein. I love it, and I typically order like three of them, but you can see, there, or you can hear rather, they're packing some fat, sugar, and sodium. Typically, I'll order two or three of the Fresco Soft Chicken Tacos, and they've got 160 calories, 6 grams unsaturated fat, 430 milligrams of sodium, 1 gram of sugar, and 9 grams of protein. I know if you're driving, it sounds like I'm throwing a bunch of numbers your way, but all I'm saying is, if you read a menu, you can typically find something that's low in overall calories, low in fat, lower in sodium and sugar, and still comes with a decent amount of protein. This is the case for pretty much every fast food joint you can think of. All you've got to do is take literally a few seconds to glance at the nutritional information on their website when you're in line at the drive-thru, and you'll be doing your training, your waistline, and potentially your wallet some pretty dang big favors. If you don't really have time to even glance at a menu when you're in line, at the very least follow these guidelines. Nothing other to drink than water, unsweetened tea or coffee, nothing fried on the side, and try to get salads with vinaigrettes, or at the very least, try to get something grilled with as little bread or carbs as possible. It's all about making healthier decisions because it doesn't matter how hard you're training. If all you're doing is eating donuts and guzzling down sugar-laden drinks, you're not putting the right fuel in your body, and your training is going to go straight down the tubes. Before we move on to covering how we're going to eat during a marathon or race, let's talk about one final thing, drinks. I don't just mean alcohol, although we're certainly going to dive into that. I'm talking soda, tea, booze, energy drinks, cherry limeades, all of it. If you take one thing away from this episode, I'm always trying to give you at least one key takeaway in every episode. Let it be this. Don't drink your calories. A 20-ounce bottle of classic Coca-Cola is 240 calories. And think about how quickly you could burn through that or two or three bottles on a sweltering hot day or after running four miles. Remember how we mentioned, if you're looking for a hard and fast rule of what to buy and eat and I said nothing with more than three grams of sugar, that bottle of Coke has 65 grams. And I'm not hating, I know it's good. But why not have 500 calories and get that cheesy gordita crunch, where at least you're getting some protein, carbs, and fat instead of just empty calories? Like I said, I love fast food and I love sweets. But when you're training for a marathon, you've got to be focused on your goals 24-7. And food is fuel, right? Well, that soda and extra sugar in your tea ain't fueling nothing. So don't drink your calories. While we're on the subject of drinks, I'm a big fan of Texas vodka, whiskey, and cider. Alcohol jacks with your blood sugar, dehydrates you, and if you're over the age of 25, odds are you've learned what a hangover is by now. You don't need me to tell you to lay off the booze when you're trying to run 13.1 or 26.2 miles all at once, but I'm going to do it anyway. Remember, last week I said you've got to be focused on your goals when you sign up for a marathon, and your goal is to finish that distance continuously, strong, and in the upright position. Don't let all your hard work go to waste. 
Now we can talk about the fun stuff, how to eat during a marathon, and for good measure, I think it makes sense to discuss the night before and to mention something I know everybody's heard about, carbo-loading. We've all seen Michael Scott guzzling down pasta when he ran his 5K, and if you haven't seen The Office, go watch the 5K episode right now and then come back, but that's not how carbo-loading works. And if you're brand new to running and focusing on your first race, I'd advise to save that for next time. Essentially, carbo-loading is depleting your body's glycogen reserves completely and then gradually consuming carbs to build up those reserves. While research and really personal experience show it works, it takes some practice and is typically done over a week or 10 days. So don't even worry about that for your first race. But do think about how you're going to eat the night before. The day before your race, we're still eating five or six times like normal, but 60 to 70% of your calories that day should come from carbs, and I'd recommend doing three quote-unquote big meals to ensure you're adequately fueled, but don't go and have something you haven't had before. The day before running 13.1 or 26.2 is not the time to experiment with a brand new spicy food or a dairy-packed milkshake when you aren't sure how your body's going to respond. Avoid sugary junk and try to focus on healthy foods. If your race is early in the morning, as most of them are, try and have dinner a little earlier than normal. Maybe be done by 6 p.m. or so to ensure you've got time to digest and hit the hay early. Also, avoid any super extra high fiber foods because you don't want to have any digestive issues on the course. The morning of every single race, I have the exact same meal two to two and a half hours before lining up at the starting line a Dave's Killer Bread bagel, a packet of Justin's almond butter, a decent amount of honey, coffee, creamer, and on it Shroom Tech Sport capsules. The reason I have this specific meal is one, out of convenience. I can typically pack small packs of my desired creamer, the almond butter, and honey pretty easily, and I just toss a bagel or two in some sandwich bags whenever I'm traveling to a race. It's easy to get excited for a race, and you absolutely should be after signing up and putting in the work training, but you want to ensure you're adequately fueled the day of, and maybe it's just me, but I like having a little luxury before knowing I'm going to do something pretty dang hard, so I pack a travel-sized fancy creamer with me whenever I'm on the road. Aim to be done with your pre-race meal at least 90 minutes before lining up at the starting line. I just like having it extra early to ensure I can use the facilities before heading out. I also take Onnit Shroom Tech Sport because I'm very leery of supplements. The whole reason I got into fitness and personal training is because I see tons of snake oil being peddled by people with no credentials who don't know what they're talking about and have no education or experience and just want to make a buck and I can't stand it. I think that's singing in the rain reference. Anyways, that being said, I absolutely feel Onnit Shroom Tech Sport helps me stay mentally focused, recover faster after long runs, and just in case you were wondering, heck no, no one's paying me to say that. We've covered the convenience aspect of my race day meal, but the meal is structured the way it is because you want to have a healthy amount of easily digestible carbs in your system and some protein, and it doesn't get much better than bread and sugar and almond butter. For real, the vanilla flavor of the Justin's almond butter is bomb. However, I tested this pre-race meal many times prior to race day to ensure I'd feel light and powerful when I'm running. So whatever you do, be sure you experiment with a few different options to see what your body responds to best. While I don't always have this exact meal while training, I typically do have a bagel with some honey before heading out on any run that's 10 miles or more. Try oatmeal, fruit, nut butters, cereal, something that's not too heavy but loaded with carbs. Experiment during your training and see what works best for you. Again, the day of your first marathon is not the time to try something new. During your race, you've got to stay hydrated and you've got to ensure you've adequate carbs at your disposal. 
I always carry water and Jelly Belly sports beans with me because I'm a sucker for candy. They go down easy and those bad boys are delicious. I know cliff shot blocks are all the rage with runners and I did use them for my first three races, but I never cared for their flavor and texture and if I don't enjoy the way something tastes, I'm not going to be eating it. We'll dive into actually when and approximately how much to eat in detail in a minute, but it's important for you to know what you should be carting around with you and why. You want to have some sort of easily digestible carb, sports gel, sports beans, shot blocks, whatever, and water with you. This is so you can properly fuel and hydrate when necessary. And if you're going to be eating, you want to take a swig of water with your carb to help wash it down and aid with digestion. Now it's true most races will have water and food stations throughout the course. And if you evaluate the course map in advance, you may be able to plot out your eating and drinking so you don't have to carry anything on you. That being said, I like having everything accessible at all times, and odds are you're going to be carrying your phone and keys and maybe something else with you anyways, plus you probably had to carry stuff around during training runs, so may as well have some hydration and carbs on you to ensure you're fueled when you need it. While I absolutely love sports beans, there's no way in heck my stomach could handle only eating solid foods while running. Since most running aid stations offer water or a combination of water and sports drink, I typically alternate my carbs between a pack of sports beans and whatever sports drink is being provided. While you're training, it's a good idea to try a combination of solid carb and sports drinks to see how your body responds, because you've got to be cognizant of digestion when you're running, as the last thing you want is an upset stomach to derail you from reaching your goal. Be sure to find out what works for you specifically during your extended training runs, and again, don't try anything new on race day. As far as when and how much to consume during a marathon, I like keeping things simple, so I'll give you the math and then tell you how I and my clients fuel during races. Aim to consume approximately 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour for runs lasting longer than an hour. Additionally, you want to consume around 6 to 10 ounces of fluid every 2 to 3 miles. I know laying these numbers out can be confusing if you're driving or currently out pounding the pavement, but for you calorie counters who watch your numbers like a hawk, this is the general guideline you should aim to hit during your long run training sessions. You're not going to have to stick to it religiously. You need to find out what your body responds to best. For example, I know my body runs fine when I'm consuming 30 grams of carbs every hour, and my pack of beloved sports beans only contains 25 grams. This means I need to have a pack of sports beans and a swig of sports drink at refueling stations during marathons. Because this is a decent amount to be consuming while running, I divide my carbs up in 30 to 45 minute intervals until the race is complete. I like to set a 30 minute timer on my watch once I pass the starting line to have my first shot of carbs and then every 15 minutes after that I'm having either water or a combination of water and carbs. Let's break it down and cover all our race day nutrition simply to make things easy to remember. Around 2 hours before race start, you're having a light, carb-packed pre-race meal with some protein. 30 minutes into the race, you're having some carbs and water. 15 minutes later, you're having a long sip or two of water. 15 minutes after that, you're having some carbs and water. Essentially, every 15 minutes, you're having either carbs or carbs and water. That's all there is to it. Now I'll be the first to admit, I don't always drink water every 15 minutes. Like I said, this is a guideline. I try to stick to this during training, but if I find myself on the cusp of getting full or feeling real dang good, I might skip water as opposed to skipping the water and carb combo every 45 minutes or so. Again, the last thing you want to do is run out of steam when you're in the latter stages of a race. Use the every 15 minute rule as a loose guideline because everyone's body is going to react differently to consuming water and carbs while running. 
If you need to skip a break or two or three, go ahead. You're going to be doing multiple long runs prior to actually lining up at the start line on race day. These are your opportunity to see what foods and schedule works for you. Don't be afraid to experiment, but I'm going to say it again. Don't experiment if it's on race day. As far as what to consume after you've crossed the finish line, secured your bling, and joined the elite group of individuals known as marathoners. Most races have a little box or handout drinks or something at the finish line, and they tend to contain a blend of protein and carbs, which is pretty much all you need. Don't guzzle down a ton of water or liquids. Be sure to just sip, because you don't want to get an upset stomach. I typically have a protein shake or a smoothie or whatever's available. Sometimes it's just chocolate milk and a bit of water. I'm here to tell you, one of the best showers you'll ever take in your life is the one you take after completing a half or full marathon. And while it may not be super comfortable, it's gonna feel real dang good. Once you've crossed that finish line, remember, you've completed a monumental achievement and reached the goal you set for yourself. No one ran a single step of that race for you. You've skipped out on time with loved ones, changed your diet and lifestyle completely. Don't just trash all that hard work and go back to eating fast food every day and drinking a bunch of booze. Use this as a springboard to the next phase of your life, and be sure it's full of healthier and more intelligent dietary choices. I appreciate you spending some time with me today, and I hope you're seeing what I see, that truly anyone can run. We drop a new episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast every Monday in case you're in need of that Monday motivation, and yours truly drops a new video on YouTube and post over at TrueRose.com every workout Wednesday, where we're covering food, travel, gaming, tech, and all types of wild stuff in between. We also like to open the Twitch gym, located at twitch.tv slash live randomly, so be sure to follow and turn on notifications if you ever want to talk running or anything else with me in real time. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at AnyoneCanRunPod, all one word. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anyone Can Run Podcast, and if you did, I'd appreciate if you take a second to rate, review, like, share, and subscribe. If you didn't enjoy it well, you get what you pay for, and regardless, I look forward to seeing you on the road again. Peace.